gonna be just like senior year, except for funner. Hi everyone. So today we have a special surprise for you. We had the chance to chat with the amazing artist, entrepreneur, and actor from Love and Basketball, Shar Jackson. So before we break down the movie, we wanted to share what Shar had to say. Hope you enjoy. Hey everyone, I'm Kendra. And I'm Rosalis, and we're so excited to be chatting today with Shar Jackson. Welcome. Hello, Shar. We're so excited to have you here. Welcome to the Rom-Com Room. Well, I loved it all. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You're our first interview, and we're so excited. Well. Yeah. To get started, we know that you've had your foot in so many different industries, from entertainment, film, TV, music, to travel and luxury body care. So we would love if you could just tell us a little bit about your journey in entertainment and now also being an entrepreneur. It, it's so much. I mean, it's so much in my 45 wow. years of life. <laughs> um, so, you know, I grew up on television. I've been doing this since I was three years old. And for the most part, that's all I really knew as far as work went, you know. But, you know, as I got older, I just kind of wanted to test out other little things. You know, I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit. And um, and I thought I'd put it to use. And I, I did. I started a travel business. So, yes, you can book your travel through me. It won't personally be through me, but my company, yes, we do that. <laughs> and then I have Charmonious, which is my bath and body products company. It's kind of, I would say, a rival to this company that sounds like hush, but starts with another letter. <laughs> and then it's other company. The word of the company is what you are as soon as you hop out of the shower. So those are like my rivals. <laughs> not, I'm not going to say rivals. They are just um, competition, healthy company. competition. <laughs> healthy competition there you go and it's it's really cool i'm having a blast doing this stuff i get to be creative and i get to help the environment and help people you know who have skin issues still do wonderful beautiful things with their you know their self-care and it's amazing and i love it Absolutely. Well, Shari, speaking of competition, I mean, we all know that you acted in love in basketball and Mercedes and I recorded an episode on it. And we would just love to know how you got involved with the project and what it was like on set. So when I did love in basketball, it was really crazy because I actually auditioned for the lead role, but I'm not Sinai. So, it did, you know, hey, hey, everyone gets what they're supposed to get. I'm a strong mm -hmm. believer. But, uh, you know, like back in my back in my day of acting, you know, uh, <laughs> Everything really went through pretty much audition. You would submit with well, your agent or your manager, whoever would submit a headshot and your, your resume. And if the casting directors liked that part of it, they would invite you to come in and read. And that's what I did. I went in and I read for the role and, uh, and booked it. So, Wow. Can you tell us, like, what was your most memorable experience on set? So Omar and I had to do this kissing scene. And we're both dorks. So every time we attempted it, like we would laugh hysterically. Mm -hmm. And that probably went on for like the first two hours until like we looked over at, you know, the crew and they're like, if you don't hurry up. Huh? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like we have other things to shoot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that's kind of, uh, I think one of the funniest things to me that happened is we just could not stop laughing. Wow. <laughs> I'm so sure kissing scenes must be so nerve wracking. Yeah. There's so awkward it's yeah. just so, so weird <laughs> although i will say if i was opposite brad pitt i would have no problem with that scene. i will be like can we start <laughs> filming right now <laughs> not a problem in the world yep. i have a list of actors that you know i'd like to 
Mm-hmm. Oh, same with us. Yeah, same with exactly. us. We do we do crush of the week every week, and it's always nice. somebody different. Yeah, question <laughs> this week for you guys. Oh my goodness, you go first. Who's for yours? Seconds. Okay, so mine is okay. His name is Henning May. He's a lead singer of this German band, and like almost none of their songs are in English. And I just discovered him yesterday. I'm obsessed with his voice, and I can't stop looking at him. He's beautiful to me. <laughs> nice. I love it. <laughs> mine is oscar isaac all week okay. it's been oscar isaac yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah see i would have one that's like standard every week that everybody knows that i'm gonna say and then i'd mm-hmm. add to that uh, i fall yeah. in love probably once a week so yeah that makes sense. <laughs> you're in the right zoom with us you're in the right zoom. Yeah. exactly no we like we said we always do our celebrity crush of the week but we also hear that you have a friend who is a celebrity who went to go see the movie in theater without you knowing and i'm just curious if you could share that story with us Okay, so you must be talking about my boy JT. JT, Justin Timberlake. (laughs) So so Justin and I were really good friends back in the day, and I didn't tell him that I was that I was in love in basketball. So he's like on vacation back home in Tennessee with his friends, and he goes to the theater (laughs) to go see this movie. And literally, like my scene pops up on the screen, he jumps up in the theater. It's like that's my friend. Oh, it starts yelling. People are like. Oh my God, dude, it's Justin Timberlake. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. That's so cool. It's oh. so dorky. Like we still, we all get excited to see our friends on TV and on, you know, screens and stuff like that. So it's pretty awesome. So cute. Okay. You might be a little biased since you were in Love and Basketball, but we'd love to know what your favorite rom-com is. Ooh. Okay. So I, it's probably like non-traditional. So like is the breakup considered a rom-com? Because I really like that one. Mm. It's kind of like the anti-rom-com. Kind it's like, of, it's the, yeah, like the backwards rom-com. Yeah, it's the backwards rom-com. <laughs> it's yeah, so like good. Wedding, yeah. I like the Wedding Crashers. Yes. Oh, so God. funny. I love the Wedding Crashers. <laughs> my so good. <laughs> so this is me. I'm I'm more of a um, horror fan. So mm-hmm. so when I watch rom-coms, I prefer more of the com than the rom, if that makes sense. It mm-hmm. does. It does. Okay. Yeah. And Gunfire is a good rom-com, too. Oh, a, a classic. Classic. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Not being biased or anything. <laughs> I mean, it must be so exciting to just see this new generation find some of your most iconic roles through streaming sites now and everything. So I'm just curious, what's a fun fun memory you have from filming like both Moesha and Love and Basketball, which we're going to get more into Moesha in a little bit, but just curious if you have like a fun memory from filming that sticks with you still. I don't know. You know, I think also another really cool thing that happened when we were doing um, Love and Basketball is the fact that I got to work with my friends. Like that's always a bonus. And like, uh, like Gabby, Gabrielle Union was in that. So you know, Gabby and I have like literally grown up in this industry together. And, and whenever I get to work with people I love, it's just always a good time. Oh, that's yeah. really sweet. Love that. So we have a lot of listeners who aren't as familiar with the entertainment industry. And I'm just curious, with filming Moesha, you were in like 122 episodes. Can you tell us what was like a typical day on set for you? What time did you have to get up? What was shooting the scenes like? What routine did you have? Things like that. So it's different. Like, so for instance, with Moesha, it it was very scheduled because it was, it was closer to like a nine to five versus filming a movie. A movie is sporadic. Yeah. You have no idea what's going to happen that day. You have no yeah. idea how long you're going to be there, when the day is going to start. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But with a television show like that, at least back when we did Moesha, I'd say by 
season three, we really got into our groove and our schedules were pretty set. So like my family knew that Mondays and Tuesdays were shorter days because it was just table read and wardrobe fittings and, and run throughs. So we would like get in probably like around 10 and leave around six. Okay. Normal okay. short day. Wednesdays and Thursdays were actual tape days. One Wednesday was a pre-tape and block day for the cameras. And Thursday was the tape day in front of the audience. So mm. uh, those would be the super long days. Thursday, the longest. That could go from getting there at, you know, 6 a.m. to start hearing makeup and leaving Ooh. at like midnight. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's a demanding gig, man. It's a demanding yeah. gig. Absolutely. I just, I'm not a morning person. So hearing you say 6 a.m. with makeup on, nope. Yeah. I'm well, good. That's the thing. So when you go to work, this is the, beauty, the beautiful part. When you go to work, you don't have to have your makeup on. Yeah. You're going to sit down in a chair and let somebody else do it. And that's normally where you take your power nap. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's you good. Just you just sitting there and eye yeah. closed. <laughs> it's so funny because Moesha is obviously just such an iconic sitcom in the Black community. And I just, yeah. I feel like I, I grew up watching so many episodes. And I'm just curious, like during that time, did you feel the effects that it was having on the Black community? Like, did you see, you know, people talking about it? Did you see people just trying to, I don't know, live in their own lives? You see how I just dropped off the face of the earth? <laughs> um, so, no, uh, no. You know what? When we were doing Moesha, dude, it was, the, it was the strangest thing because we were just a bunch of kids having a good time, doing what we love to do, and it was called work. So it was really, really awesome. We didn't realize the impact that we had until we did we had to go do some press for the show and we went somewhere i don't even remember where well we had to go to this mall you know to meet meet and greet with fans or whatever mm -hmm. and we literally had to be like helicoptered out of there really the fans were like um <laughs> but that's when we said we might be on to something here yeah absolutely <laughs> that's awesome oh my goodness so I'm really curious, like, did you have a favorite person who made a guest appearance on the show? Like, any memorable celebs who popped on? We had everybody on our yeah. show. Yeah. Literally uh, everyone. Yeah. At, like, everyone. Especially if you were in the music industry, you were definitely mm -hmm. on the show. Mm -hmm. um, we had a bunch, bunch of, like, sports guys on the show. There was always somebody awesome on the show. But I think one of my favorite people who ever passed through the set of Moesha had to be Kobe Bryant. Oh, that's amazing. I know. Yeah. My goodness. What was that like? Yeah, it was so it was before Kobe became like Kobe. And um, and he was he was this fresh faced baby. He was probably 17, 18 years old. Oh, wow. Um, right. Yeah. And so um, so he came out and he was so professional and, you know, he wanted to make sure he was getting everything right. And it was first time acting or you know, on camera outside of a sports interview. And he was so adorable, but took the craft serious. And and I appreciated that. And not to mention we were both Virgos, so we became really, really good friends. Oh, that's sweet. I love that. So I also want to talk about now you're producing, writing, and starring in the new Moesha spinoff, Kim and Nisi. So can you share more about that with us? So the thing about the Kim and Nisi show is it's not official yet it was created by actually just a, a huge fan of the show he loved it thought it was an amazing idea didn't want to let those characters go and so he brought it to me and I said well let's see what we can do with it you know and so there's a bunch of interest in it we're just trying to figure out the logistics but mm -hmm. once it is all said and done mm -hmm. yes I I'm acting producing 
and directing. Mike and directing. The glasses. You know, right. the glasses. Yeah. yeah. No, that's amazing. Yeah. No, speaking of your directing, you just, you literally have your hand in so many things. Like now that you're dabbling in directing as well, can you tell our listeners what's coming up for you and your own projects? So I can't talk about the stuff that I've shot yet because we have to wait for the press release. But okay. I'm going to tell you, I'm so in love with directing. It's insane. Aww. And, and I knew I would be because I went to a performing arts school when I was 12, 12, 13. And um, in that school, we we had like film production and all these things. And I made a short film when I was 12 and it got submitted to the Directors Guild of America and I won an award through them. Wow. Distinguished young director. Okay, um, DGA. <laughs> and, and so at that moment, I was like, you know, I love this. And then just never really got the opportunity to do it when we were, you know, filming the shows or whatever. But now that I can kind of pick and choose what I want to do a little bit more in my career, yeah. it's definitely something that I love. I'm having a blast. Yeah. And it's not going to take me from in front of the camera completely, but I will be doing a lot more directing. Absolutely. Oh, how exciting. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I mean, I feel like directing is such an empowering tool, especially for women. Especially yeah. for it's women. Yeah. What message do you have for women of color wanting to go into directing? I say do it. You know, we always sit back and complain about how a story is told or, you know, what what's played out in whatever. We have the chance now. The opportunity is golden for us to create our own narrative. Tell We can tell the stories. And I think that's the best way to get everybody clear and on the same page, you know, instead of complaining about what's out there, create the stories, create, create our narrative. 100%. Yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. So to segue a little bit, I want to talk about this reality dating show that you might be on. Do you have any inside scoop for us? Hmm. Okay. So I haven't dated in a long time. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> dating. Well, what is that? What is that? Well, what is that? Right. And my kids are, you know, I had kids, so I wasn't really trying to do all that stuff, but I can't blame it on my children anymore because my youngest is 18 this year. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> they grow so fast. <laughs> so weird to say that. But my baby will be 18 this year. And literally all my kids looked at me and said, okay, so we're going to need you to get a life. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that being said i guess i'm gonna be dating and what better way to force yourself to date than to do a show yeah i think that's dating. the best way <laughs> well what are you looking for in a person maybe some of our listeners could help you say i'm not looking so there you go so okay okay uh, it's, it's forcing myself to look okay and to uh kind of see what i would even be interested in or not or not yeah exactly <laughs> we're at a weird time period with men and women right now so it's you know it's justified it is justified yes. yeah <laughs> it's true yeah. just be testing the waters you know mm -hmm. exactly it's exciting so you're open to all of it in some exactly. way hardcore <laughs> commitments right now exactly this is like all I think about when I travel. So I'm actually a really big solo traveler. I've been to 20 countries. And I have taken 16 solo travel trips. And I'm always like, gosh, I hope I meet my person on this trip like every single time. You know, you said that you have a travel agency. And I would love for you to tell us more about, you know, your favorite destinations, your dream destinations, or any travel goals that you may have. Okay, so there's so many places that are on my list to go to. It's just a matter of, you know, making that work with with work i think i might just have to create like a travel show and then go everywhere i want yes yeah. that way i'm still working and and working but 
not one of my favorite places though i would say mm, oh guys so many beautiful places jesus maybe monaco oh wow super sexy yeah super sexy. that's a good answer <laughs> yeah, that's a good one but i still haven't done dubai like for for leisure so i want to mm -hmm. do that i, I want to be all over greece like just all up and through all greece. up yeah. in greece's Everywhere. business yeah all, <laughs> all up and through there yeah um and and spain there's some all up and through places i need to hit it there yeah. as well. so okay. yeah so it's yeah it's travel time i love it i love it absolutely i was meant to be going to bali in july and Italy in August, and then potentially Denmark first week of April. So nice. I love yeah. Denmark. Yeah. Ooh, I just hard. went to Denmark back in December and it was nice. The men are beautiful. Let me just tell you, Shar, if you, I know you're not looking, but if you happen to stumble into Denmark, uh, get ready because it may just happen for you. They're so beautiful over there. They're yeah, all over there. I feel that way about the Swedes. I'm like, ooh, I yep. go over there. I'm, I'm mm. getting married. Yup. Alexander Skarsgård. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> the Skarsgårds. <laughs> all of them. All of them. So like we said, Char, like you just have your hand in, in so many things, but you are also a mom. Your youngest is going to be 18 this year. Just on top of all of your endeavors, how do you juggle such a busy life and raising kids at the same time? I mean, I, I definitely make the kids a priority. Um, and that's kind of why I backed away from doing so much in Hollywood for a while is because I wanted to make sure they were good. You know, they had a we had a rough start with things and I had to make sure they were nice and protected and, and super safe and healthy and, you know, mentally, physically, all that good stuff. So I definitely make family first. And then once they're settled, then I focus. I focus on work. So it's a balance, you know, and, and luckily I'm a Virgo. So I'm really good at scheduling and being strategic about things. So it works out. <laughs> it's like all about compartmentalizing and prioritizing. Yeah. That's impressive. Uh, do you multitask a lot? Again, Virgo. You have to. I, don't have to <laughs> I love a Virgo. I'm a Scorpio. I love a Virgo. Scorpios do love us. We love you back, too. <laughs> See, I don't know what my zodiac sign means, but I'm a Taurus. Taurus and Virgos are supposed to be like soulmates. Twin oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that maybe that's what I'm looking for, a Taurus out there in the world. Mm. That looks like Chris Hemsworth or Alexander uh, Skarsgård. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> throwing it out there. <laughs> Just throwing that out there, you know. Yeah. You got to manifest what you want, you know. Definitely. <laughs> Well, Char, is there anything else you want our listeners to know about you, your businesses, just everything you're up to? Anything else you want to you want to spill the tea on? I mean, you know, if you guys missed me, you don't have to wait much longer because I'm 100 percent back. And <laughs> there's some amazing things happening. I'm super excited. I can't wait for what this year is going to bring. But definitely check out Sarmonious. It's some amazing products. It's all vegan friendly. It's great for the environment. Even better for you. So. And they're so cute. They I scrolled through that website. They're so cute. They are cute because they're all they're all dessert foods. Like why? They all look like desserts. Yeah. 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 So that, that's my thing. So I'm greedy. <laughs> and so I was like, everyone's making soap. And it just looks so plain to me. Mm -hmm. I'm too creative to just do the norm. Yeah. So I made everything look like yummy snacks. And they do. They do yeah. look like yummy snacks. They really do. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Before we go, I really want to know your crush of the week. Yes. Tell us. Ooh. Okay. So my number one crush of always is going to be RDJ. Robert Downey Jr. Okay. It took me a while. It took me a while. I was like, wait. RDJ. I was like, I'll let her marinate. <laughs> but this week, I think 
I will add on, ooh, I've been looking at everybody this week. It's crazy. I'm going to throw in Thor. I'm going to throw in my Chris, my Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Only because I yeah. just watched Marvel movies this week. So yeah. I just it watched Vacation this week and he made a guest appearance in it. <laughs> He's so funny. Oh my God. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Shar, so much for joining us. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Shar. Thanks for having me, babies. It's been fun. Hey, everyone. So we actually recorded Love and Basketball back in February, but we wanted to save it for March Madness so we could get all the basketball love. So all you sports fans out there, listen up. It's going to be fun. Hey, guys. I'm Kendra. Hi, I'm Mercedes, and this week we're talking about the sports romance classic Love and Basketball. It really is a classic, but first, Mercedes, let's kick it off with our celebrity crush of the week. Who you crushed it on this week, girl? Oh my goodness, Kendra. So I'm crushing on Jin from BTS. I don't know if you listen to BTS. <laughs> I love how much of a like boy band fan you are. Oh yeah. Boy bands are my life. Mm-hmm. If you've never listened to BTS, I say give him a search. Jin is the oldest one. He loves to call himself worldwide handsome. And he's correct. He is correct. Max, <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Exactly. Oh, gosh. Okay, I got to listen to BTS. We did an episode when I was working on my old job. We did an episode on them. But I have not taken the time to listen to them. So apologies, BTS, if you're listening to this. They're great. Okay, Mercedes, ask me who I have a crush on this week. Kendra, who's your crush this week? Okay, wait. First of all, I have to give a shout out to my crush of the week, Paul Meskel from Normal People, because it's his <laughs> birthday today, actually. <laughs> Happy birthday, Paul. Happy birthday, Paul. So I left Sligo this morning, actually, in Ireland. And I went to Sligo because Normal People is my favorite limited series. And I really feel like it changed my life. I just relate to the character of Marianne so much. Just like the tumultuous relationship she has with her family, getting teased in high school, and then finding herself in college. She has this line there that's just like, typical me went to college and got pretty. And I was like, I feel like that was me. I went to college and I found myself. Like, I finally found a place where I fit in and I was good at it. And I've been rewatching Normal People because being in Sligo and watching Normal People just hits different. Oh my so, god! <laughs> it was just amazing to be there. So Paul is my is my celebrity crush of the week, and also again, happy birthday! I love him and his thighs. You know, he actually, my best friend, they both went to like the same theater camp or something together, and I guess he's always just been like cool and hot, <laughs> which like For does me. not surprise me. But also, I hope he's a nice person. I, I believe he's nice. You can, I feel it. Like, he just seems kind. Yeah. I mean, Irish people just tend to be incredibly kind people anyway, yeah. so would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So we are going to move over to the TLDR. This is where we summarize the movie for anyone who has not seen it. Also, if you have not seen Love and Basketball, spoilers are coming, but you can stream it on HBO Max. <laughs> yeah. Take away Mercedes. Okay, so this movie is broken down into four quarters, just like a basketball game. The first quarter begins in 1981, when 11-year-old Monica Wright, played by Kyla Pratt, moves to Los Angeles, right next door to Quincy McCall, played by Glendon Chapman. She dreams of being the first woman in the NBA, and he dreams of being just like his NBA-playing dad, played by Dennis Haysbert. The two become rivals on the basketball court quickly after meeting, and their interactions almost always end with bickering, even after their first kiss. Then we jump to the second quarter. They're both seniors in high school, stars of their basketball team at Crenshaw High. 
Quincy is now played by Omar Epps. He's popular. He's getting so much attention from college scouts, while Monica, played by Sanal Lathan, is fighting to get any playing time. They are still bickering neighborhood friends, and she secretly still has bottled up feelings for Quincy. And after a school dance, Quincy's views on Monica change, and their night turns romantic after they both share that they're going to USC to play college basketball, which cuts to the third quarter. They're freshmen in college. Quincy is the starting freshman basketball player, while Monica's working 10 times harder just to get off the bench. After Quincy discovers his dad's infidelity, he closes off, cheats on her, drops out of school to go to the NBA. Then we go to the fourth quarter. We're in 1993 now. Monica is playing international pro basketball in Barcelona. And Quincy is engaged to Kira, played by Tyra Banks, and he's really struggling to play on the Lakers. When he finally gets playing time, he tears his ACL. About this time, Monica quits basketball and moves home. They actually reunite briefly at the hospital, and that's where she hears about the engagement. Monica's really frustrated in trying to manage life without basketball. She's grappling with her bitterness toward her mother, who actually ends up helping her realize that she can't stop fighting for what she loves and who she loves. So that's when Monica challenges him to a game of one-on-one to win his heart. The two play in the most high-stakes game ever, which ends with Monica and Quincy together again. Cut to 1998 at the end. Monica is shown playing in the WNBA for the LA Sparks, and Quincy is there cheering her on with their daughter on his lap on the sidelines. What a great ending. Love it. Perfect ending to a perfect Mm -hmm. movie. This is the 2000 directorial debut of Gina Prince-Bythewood, who also wrote this movie and most notably directed Beyond the Lights, which first of all, I just want to give a shout out to Gugu Mbatha Ra, who is one of the most (laughs) underrated actresses in the industry. Gina also directed The Secret Life of Bees and the Netflix film Old Guard starring Charlize Theron. This movie was produced by Spike Lee. And I'm sorry, but if you don't know who that is, I really can't help you. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So there are so many fun facts and interesting industry facts about this movie, right? So I actually read that the director saw over 700 people for the role of Monica because Spike Lee, the producer, thought the lead actress should have actual basketball skills. And so Gina interviewed like actresses, athletes, people who have never acted before. And funny enough, Sanaa Lathan had never played basketball before this movie. So she worked with a basketball coach for about two months. Yeah, I love when they show her like running onto the court with the sparks and everyone is so much taller than her. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. You're like, I, I know, I know. The fact that she learned basketball for this role, too, is so impressive just because like, I mean, it's not an easy sport. It's not an easy thing to just like pick up. I know, you but know? I think that's like that's the case with a lot of actresses. You know, I remember Natalie Portman learned ballet for Black Swan Definitely. and Margot Robbie learned how to ice skate for I, Tanya. And I just think it's so interesting when as an older person, you can just completely learn a new skill like that. Because yeah. I think Sanaa was already like at least 20 or 30 in this movie. So <laughs> and so Gina Prince Blythe, her screenplay was actually turned on by like multiple studios. And then she ended up going to the Sundance Institute lab program where they held a reading. And that's what got Spike Lee's attention. And that's when he was like, "Okay, my production company, we're going to pick you up. We're going to do this, which is so impressive. It just shows like, look for these programs when you have a screenplay out there and you want to get it out there, like really bring it in, collaborate. Yeah. And also just an encouraging word to any aspiring filmmakers. Don't ever give up. You're going to get like a million rejections. But it just takes one yes. Do you remember that meme of Lady Gaga? 
<laughs> during her oh press tour. You only need one one person in the 99 room. 99 people can say no. You just need the one yes. That's what I'm reiterating right now. Oh, I love it. Also, mm-hmm. if you're wondering why Monica, when she's 11, it was like so focused on being the first woman in the NBA. It's because the WNBA hadn't even been founded until 1996. And this movie wow. starts off in 1981. So that's a 15-year period where she's just like, reaching for professional basketball in the world of men. So it's tough. I can't believe I was alive when the WNBA was We were both alive. It's shocking. It's shocking. shocking. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, Just another (laughs) thing, too, that I found really interesting was the scene where Quincy pushes Monica and she gets a scar on her face when they're little. That scene was actually added in because Sanaa Lathan already has a scar on her face, so they want to kind of match it. Continuity. Yeah. That is really clever. Also, Kyla Pratt, she was so popular at this time. Like, oh the Proud gosh. Family, one-on-one. I think One-on-one! On one! Yes, <laughs> I think both those shows started, like, a year after this movie came out, and she had already been in, like, Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> People knew her. Mm-hmm. Also, did you know that Lathan and Epps were actually dating when they were filming this movie? Yeah, because, I read yeah. that. They met when they were on the set of The Wood, and they actually didn't let anyone on set of Love and Basketball know until they were both cast in their roles, just so, like, it wouldn't mess up anything for them. Oh, so that's why their chemistry is so palpable. That's why this is a cult, cult classic of the Black community, because they already had that love there. You could just feel it. I absolutely love that. Yeah. I think it's really cool, you know, like you were saying, they acted together in The Wood. When actors act together in content, multiple times. So Alfre Woodard, who plays Monica's mother, and Sanaa Lathan have actually played mother and daughter in three different movies. Oh and that was so cool. <laughs> oh, I love that. I never knew that. I could go on and on about this movie. I'm so excited to talk about it more. It's so, it's been such a staple for me my whole life. So Absolutely. Let's jump into Time Castle, guys. This is just a time where we try to reflect on where we were at the time that this movie came out. So again, this movie came out in the year 2000, Mercedes. How old were you? What were you doing? Oh, my goodness. So I was four when this movie came out. Oof. Um, yeah. So this movie is actually really special to me because I grew up playing sports. I will say I, I was never good at sports, but I did grow up playing sports. And for me, like this movie combined like the genres that both my parents loved. My dad loves a sports movie and my mom loves a romance. So I grew up watching it with them. It always reminds me of like basketball practices with my dad as my coach or like watching games with with my parents. We would always go to like the college games because uh, New Mexico doesn't have like a professional team. And then this movie always reminds me of my like magenta and white Carmelo Air Jordan sneakers that I got when I was seven. Every year my dad would get me a new pair of basketball shoes basketball sneakers and he would not let me wear them off the court until after the season even as like a six-year-old and then like once the season's over I was like yes I can sport my cool sneakers around like they were always so fresh oh my god I loved them <laughs> so, yeah, that is so funny. gosh you know I don't okay I won't talk about the year 2000 but I'll tell you around the time that I know for a fact I probably watched this movie for the first yeah. time because this was just such a This was a hard time in my life reflecting back on it now. So I bet you anything the first time I saw this movie was probably around 2005, 2006, which was when I was in eighth grade. Because during that time, I was just getting teased a lot at school for quote unquote acting white. So I know this is a podcast. You guys can't see me, but I am, in fact, a black woman. And I got teased a lot for for acting white. Like kids would say I talked white. I acted white. They would call me Oreo, like black on the outside and white on the inside. And it was just so frustrating for me Mm -hmm. so I remember very consciously 
starting to be like, oh, I'm going to act more Black, which, by the way, that does not mean anything whatsoever. Yeah. You cannot act as a certain race. Exactly. And so I remember I started watching BET every single day, and that was kind of my way of combating the negative stigma of, like, kids making fun of me because I was white. I grew up in a predominantly white area. And so I would get out of school at, like, 2 p.m., and I'd go home and watch BET until, like, 9 or 9.30 p.m. every single day, like, my entire eighth grade year. It's so funny, Mercedes, because I still remember... Like this, the schedule, the lineup of BET during that time. So for like two to four was nonstop music videos. And then four to six was Rap City with Big Tigger. <laughs> and then <laughs> six to 7.30 was 106 in Park with Free and AJ. Oh my and God. And then 7.30, yeah. At like 7.30, they always played a BET, like a movie. And I'm absolutely positive that was the first time I ever saw Love and Basketball was during that time. So... I I think it's so special, the movies that become comfort watches in those really vulnerable times mm-hmm. where you're struggling a lot emotionally. And like these movies really pull through, especially this one comes in as like just such a safe space. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel yeah. like there are a lot of black rom-coms that hopefully we'll talk about in future episodes that I know for a fact I watched around this time period that ended up shaping my, not only my life, but my identity as well as a black woman. So I'm very, very grateful for them. Um yeah. This is also like just a movie where anytime if I'm somewhere where there's cable and it's on, we're watching it. Like it's just one of those movies, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you remember who you had a crush on during this time? Okay, so I don't remember who I had a crush on. I do remember when I was four. This is when I discovered NSYNC, which started my Mm. love of boy bands, Mm -hmm. which is no secret. (laughs) I love boy (laughs) bands. I was also at this time obsessed with like Grease and The Mask of Zorro and like Titanic and the Selena movie. So I, and also like, I was an only child for 11 years. So I watched a lot of movies with my parents, just Mm. whatever they wanted to watch. So I was watching like (laughs) movies that probably other four year olds weren't watching. But plus, like, the Disney classics and all of those. So I don't really have a crush. Do you remember a crush? Okay. This wasn't a crush on a person, but this was a crush on a on a career, essentially. Ooh. So the year 2000 was actually the year that I started performing and acting. I remember I acted in my church's play. Um, I was a sheep. <laughs> and Amazing. that was a time I decided, like, okay, I'm going to school in New York. Like, that was that was it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to, I know, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to go to Juilliard. I'm going to be on Broadway. Juilliard, yes. It's so funny that I made this decision when I was eight years old and I actually did end up going to school in New York. I didn't go to Juilliard, but I went to Syracuse. Uh, shout out SU, best school in the nation. Uh, <laughs> but it's just so funny how, you know, the choices that you make at such a young age really define you and really shape you. And I'm curious if there are any big decisions that you made when you were a kid that just like have molded you and affected you now as an adult that you remember. Definitely. So when I was younger, I always wanted to be a detective and a Mm -hmm. movie director because for one, I'm nosy. And then the other part of me, I love to make up stories. So I always wanted to make movies out of like the mysteries I would solve. And that was like my my dream life. And then Mm -hmm. now I'm a researcher because I'm also nosy. And I also just like most of the research I do is in film and television. And I also creatively write and like directing is still a major goal for me at some point. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I'm like actively working towards. So I think those things stick with you. I think they Mm -hmm. kind of leave you a little bit in those like middle school years of insecurity. And then they come back and you're like, yeah, no, I'm doing this for young Mercedes because she's. Yeah, exactly. 
And I yeah. think too, it's really powerful when you write it down at that age too, because I remember like writing in my in my diary. Yes. I talked about in the first episode. Um, just being like, I want to go to school in New York. I want to be a performer. I want to mm-hmm. do this. And it's it has power. It holds power. So anyone listening to this who has kids, make sure you have them write down their goals, write down their dreams, because it'll be nice to reflect back on them when they're older. Yeah. <laughs> it's always so fun. All right, guys, it's time for the rom-com Hall of Fame. But first, of course, Mercedes, we always have to roast this film. Now, this film came out 22 years ago. So tell me, in your opinion, what didn't age well for you? Okay, so I will preface this with saying that I don't have a lot to roast. I have a lot to rave about. Mm. But I think the hardest parts for me are, like, the uh, how this movie unpacks, like, womanhood and, like, the double standards within, like, gender on screen. Especially since this movie has so much to do with athletics. Yeah. And all of these things are still happening. But without those concepts, this movie wouldn't be what it is. And it wouldn't carry the depth that it does. So I'm grateful for that. But it's also just so frustrating to watch it on screen because you're like, oh, my God, I want to pull my yeah. hair out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's so funny because the roast for me, it's just such a conundrum because it's something that I don't like, but also like something that we need. So for me, mm-hmm. I didn't really like necessarily the representation of the mothers in this movie. I understand it was a sign of the times, but they're both like rich stay-at-home moms who just aren't appreciated. One is constantly being cheated on. The other one's value isn't seen by her husband. But I feel like it's annoying, too, because during this time, there was a lot of controversy because Halle Berry became the first Black actress to win an Oscar for Best Actress in a Leading Role for Monsters Ball. And that movie came out in 2002. And there was kind of a lot of controversy around that because she played a prostitute. And we just felt like, okay, the only time Hollywood wants to reward Black women with accolades is when they're playing this type of role. So for these two women, for these two Black women to be playing rich stay-at-home moms, it's like, yeah, well, we kind of needed that, right? Because Black women at the time were just playing slaves or maids or whatever. Like, there was this whole stigma around who Black women could play. Mm -hmm. But, like, rich Brentwood stay-at-home moms was not one of those archetypes. So it's kind of like a roast and also kind of like, well, yeah, it's it's nice to have that kind of like representation as well, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. I think just in this movie, there are so many takes on gender and femininity and womanhood that are just frustrating truths. Yeah. And it's so much more than just a love story between athletes. Like this is a coming of age story and you're really seeing these characters grow. And without these elements, like without... Monica's mom being kind of the antithesis of what Monica was. She wouldn't Mm -hmm. have the drive to go forth as an athlete as strong as she did because she really used that as her motivation versus Quincy, who wanted to be just like his dad. Monica Mm -hmm. really didn't want to be anything like her mom and then realizes at the end, oh, actually, I need to give my mom a lot more credit. Mm -hmm. But without that, you wouldn't have Monica doing what she does. Mm -hmm. So it's a tough one. Yeah, our criticisms are necessary. (laughs) Yeah, but also I feel like it is something to note that this movie does age very well. And when we're talking Mm -hmm. about things that age well, can we talk about how every freaking actor in this movie has aged perfectly? Like fine wine, something out of like a a storybook. Sanal Lathan is 50 years old, looks straight up gorgeous. Like Omar Epps still looks good. Alfred Woodard, like everyone still looks, Dennis Haysworth, oh my gosh. All at me. My goodness. So I just, I, I, I love that. That whole, the whole cast just like still looks absolutely incredible. They're also working too. You also see them in a lot of stuff. Also, I just want to praise this movie for being very progressive with their, you know, tones of feminism that's going on in this movie. Just like giving a Black woman big and bold dreams and to chase after them 
it didn't have to do with the man. It had to do solely with like what she wanted, yeah. what she was passionate about. That is huge. That is huge. And also like the way it just surprises you at the end where the whole time you're expecting Quincy to really like flourish in the NBA and then it mm-hmm. turns it on its head and you're seeing Monica out there and him on the sidelines cheering her on. That's so it was so wonderful to see as like a child and it's still mm-hmm. so fulfilling to see now. And the fact that like this isn't a story of harm or like the story of real sadness. This is a story of two people coming into their own mm-hmm. and finding the people that they love and also fighting for the thing they love, which yeah. is like, their sport and their passion. And it's just so lovely. I also just love how vastly different this movie is compared to other movies about athletes because mm-hmm. every sports scene in this movie really drives the plot in a way that a lot of sports movies don't where mm-hmm. this movie isn't about the final game where the buzzer is going to go off and you're waiting for that big or from the, like every like the game they're playing is to show their emotions their attitude and their behavior you're driving character through this and it builds on character and you're never taken out of the plot like the game scenes it really is just building on it to show the personality like you're seeing monica's frustration because there's so much on her plate you can feel it on her and you see it versus quincy who is consistently getting praise i just love that and that's such a gift from our director our writer and director you know like there's so much emotion depicted through these subtle nonverbals on the court and like without her gaze and her pen on this movie, we wouldn't have had that because she herself was an athlete. So exactly. she understands it and she understands those emotions and everything. I could go on and on. I'm sorry. I'm just, <laughs> no. I just want to rave forever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Snaps to Gina Prince Bywood for being amazing at writing and directing <laughs> this movie. That was iconic. And you got Mercedes rambling. I want to ask you, though, Mercedes, what sport, if any, would you want to fall in love over? Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> I mean, okay, I basketball definitely because I love basketball. It's my favorite sport. Mm-hmm. It's the most entertaining to watch because it goes so fast. Like I, I understand football, soccer, but it takes so much longer. There's such long games, and I think basketball, like it's such a contact sport too. That's what kind of makes this movie so much more sensual. Even the scenes mm-hmm. that aren't like really sensual scenes mm-hmm. and intimate scenes, they're on the court and like the, just the way the bodies move and the way that camera work follows them, like it just mm-hmm. feel like you feel it and you feel the tension there, mm-hmm. and. I, I guess basketball, but also, like, I've been crushing on a lot of skateboarders for the past year. So you have. <laughs> you have. Yes, you have. What about you? <laughs> okay. I think if I could insert myself into any rom-com sports movie, it would be Step Up. I want to fall in love over dance. Oh, my God. I, I like didn't even <laughs> think about Step Up. Oh, that is yes. such a good one. Oh, we have Every time I watch Step Up, I think I could do it. And, like, I used to mm-hmm. dance when I was younger, but, like, I'm not any good. But there I am <laughs> at the end of the movie. I'm like, I could do it. Or, like, I the end do of the it. second one where they're doing the chest breath. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I could do it. I could definitely do it. <laughs> I see my, I always see myself as the lead character in, like, a dance movie. But I think also, like, figure skating, too. I just, Ooh. I don't know it. I just something where it's like close contact and you guys are intimate. Yeah. Like that's what that's a sport I would want to fall in love over. Also, when I think of traditional sports like soccer and basketball and like maybe even softball, I can't do any of that. <laughs> I can't so do any funny. of that. <laughs> I will say, if you ever catch me willingly breaking a sweat to win a man, please just sit me down and make me reflect on my life choices. Because something is deeply wrong with me at that point in my life. Mercedes, I got you. Don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. Oh my gosh. Speaking of speaking of men, um, I just I always love this quote uh in the movie. Monica says, You jump in some guy's face, you you talk smack and you get a, a pat on your ass. 
But because I'm a female, I get told to calm down and act like a lady. I'm a ball player. I love I love that quote. I love it. And it's the, like the force in which she says it too. Like you feel it. And you just feel all of her frustration because also Quincy like has these expectations that, that he's supposed to be supported by her the whole time where mm-hmm. that's not really given back to her even before they're dating. Mm-hmm. And it's not really given to her through most people, just yeah. through her passion. So uh, I feel for her. No. Do you have a favorite quote in this movie? Okay. My favorite quote is, and they say it, yeah. th- it's said twice and it's said <laughs> during their cute little dorm basketball strip basketball game (laughs) one-on-one and then it's said at the end when they're playing the game and like it's the most stressful tense moment because you really think that he does not want to be with her and she's losing and then my second favorite quote is said and that's double or nothing right at the end because she loses the one-on-one game Mm -hmm. no because i love i love what she's like i'll play you what one game (laughs) one-on-one for what your heart for your heart. <laughs> if you're like, yes. <laughs> but I will also say, okay, my last favorite quote of this movie, Monica and Sidra are in Spain and they run into each other. And Sidra's like, them Italian boys, they love them some black women. They can't get enough of me. And I cannot confirm or deny this movie may have been the reason Italy was my very first solo travel trip. Just hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I need to test this theory. Of I need to test this theory, exactly. <laughs> so if this movie popped up on your Tinder feed, would you swipe left or right? I'm always swiping right forever. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? 100%. But that's because, like, representation matters so much. And again, another message to any aspiring filmmakers listening right now. Please always remember representation is so important. And this is just such a cult classic within the Black community. It just shows an independent young Black woman and her strengths and her goals. And that's so admirable. It just shows that love also never truly fades. So I am always forever swiping right. Yes. We love seeing Monica just get everything she wants and deserves. Like, it is the most fulfilling thing. Exactly. But it's also the hard work that she puts in behind it, right? It's not just handed to her. She works her butt off to get these things. It just shows, Mm -hmm. again, another message of don't give up. Like, stay at it. You got this. All right, guys, we're going to jump into couples therapy. Mercedes and I just like to play therapist and give advice to the characters on how they can improve their relationship. I'm curious to hear what you think, Mercedes. Like, what advice would you give to Quincy and Monica if they were sitting in your, uh, in your, in your chair, your therapy chair right now? So, something I really appreciate about this movie is how it takes its time, and you really get to feel how much time goes on, and you see these characters grow and learn about themselves and learn how to express themselves. But really, I want to see better communication between the two. These are two mm-hmm. people who hold back a lot. And yes, they share their, the same language of basketball, but they mm-hmm. really don't speak their truth as often as I think they should. And even when they do, it's like timely, I guess. Like it's always like years later or months later. Like you, I want to hear you talk about this now and like really have deeper conversations that aren't like built in this like hostility or frustration because someone's not coming through to you in ways that you didn't even express that you need them to. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to preface my advice by saying I really don't think anyone should be with someone from the time they're 11. Because I just think you turn into a completely different person. And that's just really hard to grow Hmm. together. And love is already hard enough. So I think it was actually really good for them to take a five-year break and go and live their own separate lives and kind of develop on their own as people. 
And so I feel like my advice for Monica and Quincy would be to always keep falling in love with the different versions of yourselves. So I love that at the end we see Monica as a big basketball star, but that won't be forever, right? Everyone will continue to grow and continue to change. And I've said it once, Bruce, that is, and I will say it again over and over. All a relationship is, all love is, is saying yes every single day, saying, yes, I'm going to be there for you. Yes, I'm going to love you. Yes, I'm going to support you. And I just hope for Monica and Quincy that they can continue to make that decision every day with each version of themselves that they encounter. Yes. There's also the topic of cheating that comes mm. in here. Yeah. <laughs> we need Quincy to not cheat anymore. <laughs> This is true. Yeah. Okay. So when we're talking about communication, cheating is never the answer for a lack of communication. Yes. You should always talk about your feelings. But yeah, he actually, he absolutely did cheat on Kira with Monica at the end because he was still with yeah. her and he hadn't called off the wedding and the engaged or anything. Exactly. And I don't know, I I want these two to just keep flourishing. So I'm just like, do not <laughs> just have faith in each other and like trust each other with your emotions. 100%. What do you think their love languages are, Monica and Quincy? Okay, so definitely this movie's rooted in quality time. But mm -hmm. I think Quincy gives a lot of words of affirmation to Monica because everything he says, she really takes to heart. And Monica responds and really takes it seriously. Like any of her any of his criticism of her on the court, he really like is honest with her and she takes that in and like really lets it sink in. I think he attempts acts of service and really performs romance in a way that emulates his who he thinks his dad is. Mm -hmm. But I think him giving words to Monica is most beneficial and like the thing that he's best at, but he definitely needs quality time and acts mm. of service, I'd say. I agree with you. I definitely think he needs quality time, but I also think he gives physical touch. And I feel like every time, you know, that scene where they're like walking out of the quad and they like, you know, he pulls her in close and they fall on the grass together. I just mm. feel like he's constantly touching her in some way. So I feel like, yeah. You know, I think Quincy gives physical touch, but he does equality time because if we think about it, the whole reason Quincy was upset with Monica was because he felt like she wasn't there for him when he yeah. was going through the stuff with his dad. And so he needs quality time. He needs to see her. He needs to just have that physical support there. And then with Monica, I think she actually gives words of affirmation, but I also feel like she needs that back because mm -hmm. Quincy did not do a good job of communicating with her. And she needs to hear the honest truth to know that she's loved. Like, words need to be spoken very clearly to her. Like, Monica, I'm done with you. Or, Monica, I love you and I need you to do this. Like, I feel like she's not very good at reading cues. And so you need to be direct with her. And so I hope that Quincy is able to give that back to her. Yeah, I think he also really needs acts of service, too, because he really does want to feel chosen. And that's, mm -hmm. like, his main thing. And I think acts of service and quality time really blend together well with him. And also, like, what's the ultimate act of service is, like, fighting on the court, like, the best way she knows how for his love. Like, yeah. that is the ultimate proof. I'm here for you, even though you're engaged to somebody else, <laughs> like, really laying it all out there. And I think she's really hesitant with service because she also doesn't want to fall into the same cycle that she's seen her mom with her mm -hmm. dad. So I think that's something that she works in. She, like, learns more about herself. And, like, I think they just learn more about what they need throughout. But mm -hmm. it's interesting. They cover a lot. They cover a lot. Exactly. So, all right. We've given our advice. We said is if this couple did not take our advice, do you think they'd still be together in five years? Yes. These two are together. <laughs> they have to be. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I I just think at the end when you see him holding their baby, like waving at her on the court, yeah. I'm like, yes, these two are together forever. I'm like, oh my god, he's just the dad. That's like the perfect role, and she's out there killing it, playing professional basketball. They get what they want because he ultimately really just desires emotional support. Yeah, and I think just like that stability of a partner. And she desires to be out there playing basketball. And they do that together. And oh my gosh, I love seeing their family. (laughs) It is very cute. I do think they are together in five years. I think they are just so authentically themselves when they're with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's such a comfortable feeling, Mercedes. I feel like a lot of people have a hard time finding in a partner. Just someone who they can be so authentically themselves with. And so when you do find that person, make sure you hang on to them with all you got. (laughs) It's also so... Oh, no, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say that. It it feels like um, something, just to tie it back to normal people, something Marianne says in one of the episodes is that she feels like she's constantly trying on different characters with the boyfriend that she's with in there. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like that's something that maybe a little bit of us can all relate to, of just being with a person who we feel like we always have to be a different person around. So when you find that one person that you can just be yourself 100% around, like, that's really special. That's all I want to say. (laughs) I also think, like, it is really special that they found that with uh, people who, I don't know, they connect at 11 years old. And that's such an insecure time. And to find, like, trust and, like, find people who love you for you in a time that's, like, rooted, like, you can, like, trace your whole history together. Like, that's so crazy to me because they're really... You're really trusting everyone's own individual evolution as they grow. And it's also like such an embarrassing cringe time to fall in love with somebody. And she says it. She's like, I've been in love with you since I was 11 years old. And that just says so much. And I'm trying to think. I'm like, wow, could I love anybody I knew at 11? And I'm like, no, not any of those 11-year-old boys I knew. (laughs) (laughs) Should I remember if I even remember any of the boys I knew at 11? I I wish I could block them out of my memory. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, we like to talk about Heartthrob, where we just gush about our favorite person in the movie. And I'm curious, Mercedes, of the people in this movie, who would you take home to meet to your family to introduce to your friends? I'm taking Quincy. Um, He's such a good guy. And he's also just like, gorgeous like so beautiful and he's an athlete which is just like adds a whole other thing I don't know I I love an athlete <laughs> but like he does seem like the type to only really open up to people who he's known for so long so I think that's why like it is jarring to see him engaged to Kira because it's like how long have you been together what's the depth of this because I can't picture his personality like meeting me and then I don't know like he just seems so closed off to new people in a different yeah. way And I think that's why, like, he's so strong with Monica. So I couldn't see him really, like, putting himself out there (laughs) with, like, Mm -hmm. currently. I don't know. If you were going to date him, he, I don't know if he'd be as open. So I feel like there aren't a lot of options in this movie. And the only reason I'm (laughs) not going with the obvious choice of Quincy is because I cannot stand how cocky he is. It is just not my vibe. It is not who I am at all. It is not the type of company I like to keep. So instead, I'm going to go with Monica's sister, Lena, who is played by Regina Hall. Just because, like, I love that she could braid, and I always have my hair in a protective style. And so she'd really come in handy. And I just love Regina Hall anyways. So she's who I would introduce to my friends. How can you not love (laughs) Regina Hall? I know. She's great. Shout Regina Hall. We love you. (laughs) All right, guys. It's time to play Mary Screw. Screw. Kill. (laughs) All right, guys. We like to talk about who would marry, who would screw, who would kill. Here is the set, Mercedes. Quincy 
Zeke, or Jason, who is Monica's homecoming date? Oh my goodness. This is hard. I think I'm going to marry Quincy. Mm, okay. Maybe I'll screw Zeke and I'll kill Jason. You're going to be surprised, Mercedes. I 100% agree with you. Oh my God, really? <laughs> Your face, you're so excited. <laughs> I really did because you were looking at me like I was crazy. <laughs> I like to throw you off. That's what I like to do. Uh, yeah, I would marry Quincy. I would screw Jason. And I would kill Zeke because we do not stand for a cheater. All right. We are, mm. we are not out here for cheaters. Oh, my gosh, you guys. You heard it here first, guys. Me and Kendra, we're the same. We're married who killed this week. We've done it. first time. <laughs> All right, guys, before we wrap up, we always love to bring in a pop culture moment. And I just want to say, like, something that's so interesting is you see Sanaa Lathan now as a 50-year-old, and she looks exactly the same as she does yeah. in this movie. She really but does. If you're curious to see how beautiful Sonali Thin still is, you can see her on this latest season of Succession, which is also streaming on HBO Max. So after you're done watching Love and Basketball on HBO Max, you can head over to Succession and see her. And also, if we're talking about Black rom-coms, I saw that Sonali Thin will be starring in the TV adaptation of The Best Man, which is another classic Black rom-com that I love. Um, and it's starring two of the most beautiful men I've ever seen in my life, mm-hmm. Tay Diggs and Morris Chestnut. Oh, gorgeous. Love that. Gorgeous. <laughs> Absolutely so gorgeous. It's funny, too, because when I when I think of Omar Epps now, so I used to work at the Network Stars, and we had a show there called Power, and mm. I'd get to go to all the events and stuff because I was one of the few Black employees, and I would always ask to go to the events because I like that cast. And Omar Epps is actually in the new Power saga called Raising Canaan, and I'm so mad that I, like, just missed him, and I won't be able to see him at the events because I don't work anymore, but I think that's so cool. So if you guys are interested in seeing Omar Epps now, go head over to Stars, watch Ra- Raising Canaan. Yes. Also, Love and Basketball was just added to the Criterion Collection last September, which is so major for all you cinephiles out there. So you can get the DVD and it comes with so many extra bonus interviews and all this stuff. I'm definitely going to get it because I just need it for my shelf. I love it so much. (laughs) I was so excited when they announced it because I was like, oh, my goodness, because usually like see all these off the cuff random art films. And then this Mm -hmm. to be there, I was like, yes, (laughs) they're speaking to me directly. (laughs) (laughs) also so a lot of recent interviews with Sanaa Lathan about love and basketball like for the anniversary or something like that they'll kind of twist her words around and claim that she had an awful time on set or like hates the movie because she stated how challenging the audition process was like going against these real athletes but yeah. she's never said she hated the movie. She was exhausted from the audition. So please, <laughs> if you're out there and you're writing these headlines for clickbait, please stop because you're misinterpreting her quotes. She's never done nothing but rave about this movie. So Yeah, I've never heard anything <laughs> negative come fr- from this movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> and speaking on that, this movie has inspired so many creatives that we admire and who inspire all of us today, like Issa Rae. She said in multiple interviews how this movie made such a huge impact on her. And it's one of the main reasons that she started telling stories and creating in general. So, like, without this movie, where would we be without Insecure and, like, without Issa Rae and all all the other works she's done, all her other projects and so many more creatives out there. Like, that's why inclusivity and representation matter so much, because then you get so many other stories from that. 100 percent said it before we'll say it again representation matters yes but listeners we would love to know you know what movie 
shows a proper representation of the Black community or whatever community you're a part of. Tell us, do you love loving basketball? What sport would you love to fall in love through? You can slide to our DMs at MeetQ. Again, I have been Kendra. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Kenta in Hollywood. Yes, and I've been Mercedes. You can find me at MercedesGB11. And if you're looking for new rom-coms, follow Meet Cute wherever you listen to podcasts and follow Meet Cute on all socials everywhere. Bye, guys. We'll see you next week.